Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Southbridge Weekly. This is week number 13 of a series we are calling Bite Sized Beliefs. Uh, this week, we are talking about the doctrine of the resurrection. If you were with us last week, uh, Philip Clayman joined me, and we talked about uh, the doctrine of atonement. And that was a good time, but I'm happy to have Pastor Todd back with us. It's great to be back. We do want to say a special thank you to Philip. He did a great job last week talking about atonement and just helping us think through uh, why it was necessary for Jesus to die. Yes, absolutely. So like we said, Jesus bore the penalty of our sins through his death on the cross. Um, but what we're talking about today, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, we hinted at it um, about that the death is means one thing for atonement but there is then the resurrection and that was a big a big thing so i i just want to kind of get into that um so what are we talking about as far as the resurrection so when we think about the resurrection jesus did live a perfect life in order that he would be a suitable sacrifice a substitute for us Mm -hmm. to stand in our place to take the penalty and punishment of god so that god's wrath might be satisfied against our sin And so in the atonement, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. But he was also fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, that there would be one who was born of a virgin, uh, one who would be called Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah 53, we see him described as a suffering servant. Uh, He wasn't uh, great in and of his appearance, but his perfect life would be satisfactory for him to suffer and die in our place for our sins. And so his perfect life was required for him to stand in as our substitute at the cross of Calvary, but also his death was necessary to satisfy God's wrath against our sin. But the third element of that story of redemption is that his resurrection was essential to provide hope that we will one day be delivered from our sin and live forever in God's presence. Mm -hmm. See, the resurrection is the belief that Jesus' dead physical body was brought back to life on the third day as a testimony to the truth of the gospel and the hope of deliverance from the power of sin, death, and hell for each and every one of us. Wow. Yeah, so there's a a lot to get into on the resurrection, but the first thing I think that people come to come to terms with. And I think especially in today's culture, um, where we like to question a lot of things, the first thing is, did the resurrection actually happen? I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll let you say it anyway. (laughs) So, so when we start talking about this, this is one of the first great debates that uh, is addressed in Christianity. And, And certainly, uh, we understand that, that there are many who doubt, um, but as we look at it, uh, we certainly should see and know and understand that not only was Jesus predicted to be a suffering servant in Isaiah 53, but he was also predicted not only to die, to suffer and die for the penalty of our sin, but to rise again. In fact, in verse 9, uh, it says, And they made his grave with the wicked with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Now, we uh, obviously know that Jesus, upon his death, was buried in a borrowed tomb uh, of a rich man. And so uh, we would certainly point to that being a fulfillment. But the question is, well, then how could there be hope in death? 
Mm. Verse 10 uh, of Isaiah 53, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. And then verse 12, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. But I thought he was dead. Yeah. He was still in the grave. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And so there's obviously a play there in Isaiah 53. The suffering servant will suffer and he will die, but then there will come a point where he is resurrected. And when we look at the Gospels, the Gospels point to Jesus being this Messiah. Mm-hmm. And all four Gospels contain an account of the resurrection. Yeah. And so it's not secret. It's not covered up at the start of, the, um, of Christianity. This is a core central truth and claim that they point to to establish all of Christianity. Yeah. Dr. Luke in Acts expects for Theophilus to have known and heard of and actually believe that Jesus not only died on the cross at Calvary, but he also rose again. Mm. And he expects him to be able to establish this in the midst of the testimony of many witnesses. The entirety of the New Testament argues for the acceptance of the story of the resurrection. It's an essential part of the gospel uh, that that is spread in 1 Corinthians 15. In fact, Paul, when he... Uh, starts to argue for the truthfulness of the gospel. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And and he's going to give them the details of what they need to hold to to believe in the gospel. This is how you were saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And so he's appealing uh, to a very logical, consistent way of reasoning, we ought to expect to find witnesses. And it it's established these guys were not all hallucinating. It wasn't 500 people all hallucinating at one time. This was the truth that a man who had died on a cross as if he were a common criminal rose again from the grave and he appeared and, and established the truth that he was the Messiah. Wow. Okay, so we have the evidence for it actually happening. We've gone over. But we also have, um, there's other accounts of um, resurrections in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, You think specifically of Lazarus. That's right. Um, But what makes Jesus different then? 
So Jesus' resurrection was definitely different from others. Uh, Jesus in his resurrection, uh, the the scriptures uh, seem to claim and to make clear that upon his resurrection, he was raised with a physical body that was no longer subject to weakness, aging, decay, or death. Uh, in other words, Paul is going to argue at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 uh, that he has put on immortality. He has put on that which is imperishable, will never die again. And and so Jesus did still have a physical body, and the disciples grasped his feet. He ate and he drank with the disciples. He actually uh, spent time and, and went out to the edges of the shoreline with the disciples. He allowed the disciples, even doubting Thomas, you know, I, I look at him and, and I appreciate it so much that that Jesus allowed Thomas to reach out and touch his side. Yeah. Because that would have been me. I yeah. would have wanted to have not just seen him. I would have wanted to touch. Yeah. Let me make sure you're real. Let yeah. me see what type of body you have. But Jesus' body is a physical body just like ours, but it's without the effects of a sin-ravaged world. And so in that, what we see is that that uh, resurrection actually was, according to Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it was establishing, it was a declaring, it was vindicating that Jesus is the Messiah. He was the one who was promised to be a descendant of David. He was the one who was given to, to pay the penalty for our sins. He is the one who... Upon him, the hope of a government that will know no end and a kingdom that exceeds all kingdoms that have ever existed will reign. And and so when he is raised from the dead, that resurrection actually vindicates. It it proves, it declares that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who's given to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, that's such a... Good point. That's why we're talking about this is if you don't believe the, the resurrection, then, you know, what it's, it's kind of that's that's central to the, the Christian faith that he couldn't have been the Messiah if he hadn't been raised back from the from the dead. Exactly. And so that that was an essential uh, prophecy in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and it must be an essential element within the proclamation of of the New Testament. And so, uh, especially as we lead up to Easter, I mean, what better things to dwell on? The reason for his death on Good Friday, but also the reason we celebrate on Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. So what I want to do, uh, just I think as we end, let's just talk about some implications then of the resurrection for us. Um, we'll just close that way. So as we think about this, uh, what the Bible says is that Jesus is the first fruits of the firstborn of the grave. In other words, uh, he is the first one, and his example is a pattern, is an example for what we can expect. The first physical body to be raised imperishable, to, to experience immortality. And for us, that is our hope that that we will be delivered and we will take on. In fact, Paul appeals to that, uh, that 
when we are dead in Christ, we are longing for, we are waiting for, we are hoping for uh, taking off that which is perishable and putting on that which is imperishable, mm-hmm. taking off that which is mortal, putting on that which is immortal. Mm-hmm. This gives us a promise of deliverance from sin, death, and hell. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, right upon the hills of making that proclamation and, and drawing our attention uh, to the transformation that comes in us through the hope of the gospel. He he comes back and he, he says in verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and so we are able to experience victory and deliverance from the power and the grip of sin, death, and hell even now. First yeah. Peter chapter 1 says that this ought to fill us with great joy. Yeah. The, the power of the resurrection uh, should fill us with a living hope, yeah. a lasting joy that we're going to experience the same benefits and, and blessings that Jesus did upon his resurrection. Mm-hmm. We also see in Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, the power of the resurrection actually gives us victory here and now in the battle against sin. Mm. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells within you. Man, I need help because I struggle with sin. I struggle with fall. There's stuff in my life that, man, every day I need the power of God that was able to make a dead man live to resurrect me. In that moment, I need that and I struggle with that. But the hope of the gospel is that God gives us that power to overcome sin here and now, mm-hmm. not just out there in the future, but right here today. Yeah. And so in a very real way, there is an aspect where uh, we even now have victory over sin and death. And, and we know that experientially now, but we still have a longing. Mm-hmm. We, we have a longing and know that one day we will be like him that our bodies will be translated and and we will become in his image like him, no longer subject to to sin and sorrow and suffering in this current world, no longer impacted uh, by the hurts and the harms of this world. And, And when we are like him, the great news is not just that we will be like him physically, we will be with him. Yeah, We'll be in his presence. 1 Thessalonians 4 says we shouldn't mourn and grieve like those who have no hope, but we should have a sure and certain hope. One day he is coming back to get us and we will be taken into his presence for the rest of eternity. Mm -hmm. And when we experience that, what a blessing to know that the one who loved us so much that he came and died in our place, took our sin upon himself, rose again on the third day, ascended into glory is going to come and to receive us to live in his presence forevermore what joy 
that should bring. Yeah, man, this is such a a good topic. It's so timely. I don't know how we timed this up. This is like we got two weeks till Easter and we start talking about the resurrection. But this is this is great because this is this is key um, to our beliefs, guys. So and this is just a we just kind of went through it fairly quickly. If you have any questions, we'd love for you guys to send us an email at info at southbridge.cc. Absolutely. We would love to hear hear back and love to answer questions. And we are so thankful that you've taken the time to listen. And, and we hope that as we prepare for Easter, maybe we'll celebrate differently. Yeah. Uh, Romans 8, it says that, that there's a great longing, there's a groaning in all of creation for the return of Jesus. Yeah. And man, I can't wait until he comes again. Yeah, especially, you know, after the year that we've had. Oh, yes. I think a lot of us are groaning and, and longing for that. But we, we also, at the same time, want to live um, a life that glorifies Him while, while, while we're here. So, guys, uh, we hope that this has been uh, formative for you. We hope that it's been helpful in your walk. We say that every week. That is the whole reason we do this. We don't do it just because we like sitting around talking into microphones. Because I can tell you that Todd does not. <laughs> so. I do not. This is not my favorite part, but I love to encourage the church and encourage us to think deeply about the truths of the doctrines of scripture that's right so guys we love y'all and until next week grace and peace